Well, how might we mark a new beginning or a fresh start? Colleges and seminaries, they have convocation. There are first pitches and first dances and first communions. There are fight songs and national anthems. A ribbon is cut at the grand opening of a new business. Picnics and name tags and jazz musicians show up here. An impressive piece of music will include an overture or a prelude to set the tone. But according to the theologian of the 5th century, Augustine, if you happen to write a lofty gospel, the words we are about to read together ought to be copied in letters of gold and placed in the most conspicuous places in every church on earth. Today we begin our fall preaching series titled Known by Heart, Scripture Every Christian Should Know. And we'll begin with the prologue of the Gospel of John, found in the first 18 verses of the first chapter. Listen now for the word of the Lord. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him, not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life. And the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. He was not in the world, and the world came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and lived among us. And we have seen his glory and the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. From his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. May God bless the reading and the hearing of God's holy word. Amen. Well, in the beginning, things were going all right. God created in a spacious hole of nothingness and chaos with nothing more than a word. God spoke and there was light. And as far as God was concerned, it was good. Well, most beginnings are good. In the beginning, we don't know any better. In the beginning, we are nervous but excited. In the beginning, our eyes are locked on the horizon. And we anticipate, we hope, and we trust. Not only because we're really ready to get going, but because that is how God created us to be. Our hearts are insatiable. As Augustine wrote, You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. And once we experience the mystery of God's grace, once we have encountered the divine, the human spirit cannot be satisfied, but is intrigued by the glimpse already gained and continues to hunger for more. And so, as Elizabeth Johnson states, we keep journeying through We keep journeying through the beauty and the joy, the duty and the commitment, the agonizing silence and pain toward greater meaning and deeper union with the ineffable God to our very 
last breath. This is why, as Dale Bruner mentions, a child will ask why the sky is blue, or even worse, where puppies come from. A young adult will ask what they should do with their lives. A partner or spouse in midlife will ask if you still love them. And someone toward the end of their days will ponder, will wonder what comes next. We were made for the horizon. We were made for light and life and hope. And yet, by most outward indications in the present world around us, on any given day, at any particular moment, in any given circumstances, it seems as if the darkness might be winning. Every five-year-old knows what I'm talking about. Who are you grown-ups trying to fool anyway? First you crack the door open, then you give us a flashlight, then you coax us to shut our eyes, and then you beg us to stop whining, and then you plead with us to just go to sleep until finally you come out with the promises of God and you say, now we've done everything, all the books and all the water in the bathroom and the door is cracked and the nightlight is on and we're nearby and we've said a prayer because remember, you're not really alone. God is with you. You guys can't fool us. We cannot see God. Plus, we know you're getting ready to leave the room, to sit in that other room together and have all the fun with the TV on, which we can hear, by the way. And the lights out there are on. Meanwhile, you're leaving us alone in the dark with nothing more than a stupid little flashlight and the thought of an invisible, all-knowing deity looming over us in our room. So maybe the light is shining in the darkness, but it is still dark. And that is what the Gospel of John is talking about this morning. All of our tricks and our mantras and our habits for making it through the darkness, they may not be cutting it like they used to these days, because when our circumstances change, the way we experience God changes too. And we haven't worshipped like this in a very long time, but what business do we have celebrating light and life right now? Greeters and name tags and little cubes of bread and microphones and videos and masks to protect one another and to keep our children safe. Who do we think we are? Celebrating in the middle of chaos and fear. Some of us came into this room with broken hearts. Some of us have bodies that feel like they're falling apart. Some of us have so much work to do we almost didn't get out of bed this morning. Some of you folks have never even been here to Selwyn, and yet here you are with us while we're setting up drum sets and extra communion tables and picnic tables. Why are we so joyful? Why are we preparing a feast? Well, we're not grasping at straws. And we're not celebrating our own accomplishments. And these tiny cups of grape juice and these little pieces of bread in and of themselves, they're not going to fill us up. But this prologue, this promise, this statement of hope, which is said to be the linchpin on which the entirety of the Christian gospel hinges, before the beginning, before God created, was the Word. This is something to think about. 
And the word was with God and the word was God. In Greek, the word logos points towards God's wisdom in the Old Testament. Sophia, a female gendered embodiment of God's all-knowing, intentional, sovereign, creative truth, thinking and moving and acting in the world. And this God who we long to experience but can never fully understand, this divine, omnipotent, all-knowing, mysterious creator, chooses to communicate with the likes of us in a particular way. God's thoughts, the essence of who God is and what God does, was swaddled and placed down and dirty on the ground. The creator amongst the created, with us, one of us. And this, this changes everything, even if we can't quite grasp it. God is not something we work on to feel better. It's not a trick or a tool we use when the lights go out. God, as Cynthia Rigby wrote, is not our caddy. God is not our therapist or our guru or our wish maker. If anything, perhaps God is love, but even that word falls short, which is why there's so many names and metaphors for God in the first place. We can't quite grasp it, but we know it's true because we feel it and we experience it. A poet once captured this mystery by writing this. Water is H2O, two parts hydrogen, one part oxygen. But there is also a third thing that makes it water. No one knows what it is. That's the end of the poem. God's agency, you see, God's action, the thing that we cannot quite control or capture. That's what it is. And so we use poetry and dance and art and music of all sorts and acts of kindness and courage and expressions of this unextinguishable light that shines in all of us. That's what it says. It says, in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. All people. Yesterday I watched the news as it marked the 20th anniversary of 9-11. And as I forced myself to remember the reverberating trauma and the absurdity of chaos and evil which destroyed so much of God's creation, I was also grateful to remember the best parts of our nation coming together in the face of tragedy, transcending differences, united in solidarity. Story after story of sacrificial service and compassionate giving and the resiliency and power of the collective human spirit. The light shines in the darkness, even now, still. Even when creation destroys creation with guns or indifference or greed or words, the light shines on. Even when we use airplanes as weapons, the light shines on even then. But what sort of darkness is that? There have been times, of course, in human history where there seems to be no light at all, no hope. Times when humanity has suffered at the hands of evil in unthinkable ways. Chattel slavery in America, the Holocaust, genocide in the Sudan. And the best we can do is to never forget those moments, and prevent such atrocities at all cost. But God, this thing, this light, the thing that makes the bread and the grape juice a feast, 
Oh, it's deep grace upon deep grace. The darkness does not overcome the light. And there was a time when creation itself crucified the Creator. Well, what sort of darkness is that? Deep grace upon deep grace, the source of all light. The light shines on in the darkness then, still. That light even shone in the hearts of people who had abandoned him and doubted him and betrayed him and killed him. The darkness did not overcome it. For much of our lives, we dwell in dark places. We wait, we grieve, we rest, we even regenerate in the dark. And it is true that our eyes have been set on the horizon for a mighty long time. And this beginning of ours this morning was not supposed to include masks or roped-off pews or daily uncertainty about schools and social gatherings and overflowing hospitals, much less wildfires and floods and outrage in a weary nation. Is it me? Or folks out there just a little more angry and a little more short-fused? It is true, these feelings that we have, they grow from our most vulnerable place. Our most basic fear is that thing, that things are, are not as they should be. Something is wrong with the world around us, and we don't quite know how to fix it. Yes, we're afraid, but I think we're also deeply disappointed in each other for not understanding, for not listening, for not caring, for not having the energy or the capacity to withstand one another's pain after all of these days and weeks and months. Moral disorder, social disorder, environmental disorder, and yes, spiritual disorder. When our circumstances change, our experience of God changes too, and perhaps that is what Jazz Sunday is all about. Maybe that's why we need a drum set in the middle of our sanctuary. It's a new beginning. Whatever it is, whatever horrible, terrible, unspeakable thought or deed or mistake or diagnosis or fear or shame or problem you are clinging to right now, it's time to let it go. It's a fresh start. See, belief has far less to do with our ability to understand and grasp God and far more to do with trust. We cannot grasp God. It's like a child who somehow manages to wake up fresh and ready to roll, who reaches up knowingly and without hesitation takes the hand of a beloved parent or grandparent. Dr. Richard Seltzer writes of a moment where he encounters this sort of light. I stand by the bed where a young woman lied, her face postoperative, her mouth twisted and palsy, clownish, a tiny twig of a facial nerve, the one to the muscles of her mouth, had been severed. She will be thus from now on. The surgeon had followed with religious fervor the curve of her flesh. I promise you that, nevertheless, to remove the tumor in her cheek, I had to cut that little nerve. Her young husband was in the room. He stands on the opposite side of the bed, and together they seem to dwell in the evening lamplight, isolated from me, private. Who are they? I ask myself. He and this wry mouth I have made. 
who gave and touched each other so generously, greedily, the young woman speaks. Will my mouth always be like this, she asks. Yes, I say it will. It is because the nerve is cut. She nods and is silent. But the young man smiles. I like it, he says. It's kind of cute. All at once, I know who he is. I understand and I lower my gaze. One is not bold in an encounter with a god. Unmindful of me, he bends to kiss her crooked mouth. And I am so close I can see how he twists his own lips to accommodate hers, to show her that their kiss still works. In the beginning, we may be flawed. We may be weary. But the good news is this. By the mystery and power of God's grace in Jesus Christ, the light of Christ shines in the darkness now, even still, Today, like every day, marks a new beginning. Deep grace upon deep grace. That's what we were made for. Friends, as we celebrate the Lord's Supper, just a few notes of logistics in these times of masks. Um, as you are invited forward, you will come to the side aisles where you'll see communion tables on each side. Our elders have some tongs. They will take a piece of bread and place it in your hand, and then you can pick up your own cup um, of grape juice. There are small trash cans on the side of those tables, and then you can return to your pew using the large center aisle. If you are someone that would not like to come forward or is unable to come forward, please note that there are a few um, elements in the back where you can um, either ask an elder to bring you some, or you can get up at your leisure and take elements from the back. Siblings, this is not an altar. This is a table, and it is not Selwyn's table. It is the Lord's table. No one is excluded from this table. We all have a place here. In fact, we're all invited and encouraged here. The believer and the doubter, the thankful and the resentful, the joyful and the grief-filled, the light-dwellers, and the light seekers. All of you who hope and wait for the Lord are invited to come and feast at this table where there is light and love for all. Come, taste and see that the Lord is good. Let us pray. Gracious God, great is your faithfulness. Thankfully, that doesn't change. It never has and it never will. Your compassion is without end, and you do offer new mercies each day. All we have needed, you have provided. You are the one constant we can count on in life. For that, we give thanks. We bless you for your continual love and care for every creature. 
We praise you for forming us in your image and calling us to be your people. We thank you that you do not abandon us when we turn away from you and your love and dwell in darkness, and that you send us light and prophets and teachers to show us the way. Above all, we thank you for Jesus, your Son, who was the Word with you in the beginning and who overcame the darkness through his death and resurrection and who now shines on as a light in all the darkness of the world. We thank you for your Holy Spirit who leads us in truth, defends us in our adversity, and works to unite us amid all our divisions. Pour out your Spirit among us here and now amid these gifts of bread and wine and upon each of us here that we might be one in hope and love and faithfulness. The world around us groans in pain and darkness, pain from the effects of natural disasters, from acts of terror and the lasting effects of war, pain from devastating loss, from health crises, from the mistreatment of each other, from allowing our neighbors to live without the basic necessities of life pain from division and hate. Our world is in darkness and pain, Lord. We are thankful for your light. We lift these pain and hurtful things to you in a cry for help, for comfort, for relief, for mercy, and for forgiveness. Continue to shine your light in these dark places and empower us to shine our lights there too. Lord, we are not able to understand the breadth and length and the height and depth of your love and its power. But true to the call of Jesus, we come to this table, which he has left to us to be used in his remembrance until he comes again. So we come to your table, bringing all the pain and brokenness, as well as all the hope and light we can muster. We come asking you to hear our prayers, relying on your faithfulness from generation to generation, using the prayer that Jesus himself taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Friends, on the night of Jesus' arrest, he took bread, and after he gave thanks, he broke it, gave it to his disciples, saying, This is my body broken for you. Take, eat, and do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after eating, he took the cup and he poured it out, saying, This cup is the new covenant, my blood, poured out for the forgiveness of your sins. And whenever you take this bread and you drink this cup, you do so in my name. These are the gifts of God for the people of God. Thanks be Speak to, to God. God.
And now we pray in thanksgiving. O God of abundance, with this bread of life and this cup of salvation, you have united us with Christ, making us one with all your people. Now send us forth in the power of your spirit, that we may proclaim your redeeming love to the world and continue forever in the risen life and light of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Friends, God has given each of us a unique set of gifts and talents that lend to the work of our hands. And these are not only for our benefit, but as stewards of God's amazing grace. Whether it's your time, your talents, your resources, we invite you during this anthem to invite the ways, or consider the ways that God may be calling you to use these in this season. If you're a visitor, we invite you to fill out a pew card so that we may connect with you to drop um, in the offering plate and also to remember to tear um, your discipleship sheet and place that in the offering plate as well. The text to give number is 704-734-9818. Let us go to God with our offerings.
us pray. Holy God, take these gifts and bless them for good use to your glory. May these tokens of our gratitude be of service in blessing the poor, feeding the hungry, clothing and sheltering those struggling to survive. Use these gifts to further Christ's mission and ministry in a hurting world. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. grace abounds. If you come to church next week, you're going to see our new hymnals, and the hymn we just sang is hymn number one. <laughs> oh my goodness. Now may the love of God and the light of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit illumine your path and your heart. Shine on, good people, until we meet again. Amen.